Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good morning, Kooky. Now, uh, RBA's meeting on Tuesday. Uh, we're, we're at a really important, I think we're getting close to an important inflection point, potentially. But there's a lot to talk about here. Now, we had the, the headline 6.8 inflation number, which scared the bejesus out of everybody last week. And um, then that's a big deal, you know, and it's put, everyone's running for the hills thinking, oh, it's going to be a rate increase on Tuesday no matter what. But since then, we've had the RBA governor has addressed the parliament um, and I want you you listen to it. Yep. Um, I, I, I think we should talk about that. And I think also... Uh, we need to just get a little bit ahead of this uh, monthly, you know, these monthly numbers that are coming through, yeah. and uh, and even going past the the, the so called trim mean or we're taking our volatile items, uh, which no one's bothered to do at this stage. I mean, at an official level, I know you have, um, but I also want to talk about something that came up really interesting this week on, on that Alan Kohler was talking about, and I know you, you watched that and you've had a look on, gone back and had a look at it, which I think gives us a little bit more perspective as to where we're trending. And does the RBA take that into account? So let's just talk quickly about – well, let's talk about what Alan talked about now. Yeah. In relation to the 6.8% number that came through on Tuesday, I think it was. Monday, You're quite right. That annual inflation rate on the new monthly CPI, Consumer Price Index, was 6.8, way above market expectations. Well, just explain how they got six to get they get to 6.8 because th- yep. that wasn't the calculation. That's an extrapolated calculation based on the monthly number. Correct, based on the monthly number for the month of April on about two-thirds of the items that are in the normal inflation basket. Yep. Like they don't get – school fees aren't changed yep. every month. So insurance policies, them, insurance premiums. They're once a year usually. Yep. So it's things like fruit and veggies, food, petrol, airfares, which do fluctuate all yep. the time. So yep. nonetheless, it was higher than expected in an annual sense. But when you think about the annual numbers, Mark, you've got to remember that to get to that 6.8 to April, you're including data from last year, June, July, August, September, which were the very high month-on-month readings. And in the months to come, they'll drop out of your run rate. Yep. And Alan Kohler's point that he made so nicely uh, a couple of nights ago was if you look at the month-on-month increases, not that annual 6.8, you can see a deceleration in the rate of monthly inflation. Now, monthly inflation can be jumping because a petrol goes up one month or down the next month. You know, so but even if you strip that volatility out of the month-on-month figures, since December last year, so we've had four months of data up to April, it's shown that the monthly figures have trended from around about point, about 0.6.7 per month to 0.5. The last one was actually 0.3%. 
So, okay. It's That's good. April. For the month of April, 0.3 for April. So if you annualise that, multiply it by 12, you get 3.6%. That was Alan's point, but he had a lovely chart, as he has has a want to do. And it just showed the monthly run rate was slowing down. And so when, if we get through to uh, June, July, August this year, and you get a 0.9 dropping out of last year's run rate, and it's replaced by, just say, a 0.3, just the mathematics shows that you get a 0.6 cutting off that 6.8 6.8 becomes 6.2 becomes 5.5 becomes down towards the trajectory that we all want to see and certainly the RBA want to see. So, right. So just to dig in a little bit, what you're saying and what Alan's saying, and I think it's absolutely worth discussing and worth considering because there's a lot of hysteria around at the moment. Indeed. Everybody's saying, oh, 6.8, it's gone up, gone up we're, out, we're in trouble, we're going to get another rate rise Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. Just to dig in a little bit, what you're saying is if you take the 12 months backwards from the April read, including the April read, and include it in that backward averaging of all the months is quite large increases going back to July, August, September, October last year. Last year, correct. And then so when we do the May number, when we get the May number out in sometime in June – um, this month, um, let's assume it's around the same as April was. The point three. We will drop off. We will drop down to about six point one. Because we dropped the June number. Because you're dropping about a point eight out of your run. So rate. we dropped drop last year's July number out or whatever it is. Whatever uh, uh, last year's uh, May number, April number, C- whatever. C- it is. Correct. And and this is the beauty of what uh, you know. You, you can torture the data and get any result you want. I don't want to do that because inflation's still relatively high. Yeah. 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 And it's only been a couple of months where it's decelerated. So, we're, you know, we're not quite, you know, it's encouraging to see. But what you can also do, and this is what other people do, and the Reserve Bank actually did it, not with this most recent number, but uh, Dr. Lowe, the RBA governor, gave a speech about three weeks ago, and he actually looked at a three-month moving average yep. on monthly inflation. So you might think, well, that's just quarterly inflation, isn't it? The short answer is no, because you're getting uh, the quarterly inflation numbers just sort of the average of uh, – January, February and March divided by October, November, December, the, the two quarters. Yep. Whereas if you get a three-month moving average, you pick up turning points in December was high, then January was a bit lower, then February. So your three-month moving average turns down quite nicely. So I think when you boil it down, inflation is falling in trend terms. It's not quite as low as we'd all want it to be and we're still some way from getting to the 2 to 3% annual inflation target that the reserve bank looks at but they they're happy with that but but the momentum's the momentum is in the right direction you look at the global economy it's weak germany uh, confirmed in a recession in data earlier this week the us is slowing down uh, and you look at our own domestic economy which i'm sure we'll touch on shortly it's slowing down uh, you know there's downside risks occurring in our economy yeah and uh, so did the RBA governor last week in his address to Parliament, did he sort of uh, go down that back alley that uh, Alan was sort of alluding to? Did he play around with that? A, a little. Uh, it was a really – I enjoyed listening to it because I think it was an ability – he had the ability to sort of articulate – quite nicely amongst amongst pretty tough questioning. You know, the Senate people who asked him the questions were pretty 
pretty harsh. No, they're quite brutal. Yeah, they're brutal. And uh, But he did it very well and he was able to articulate it. Unlike, you know, you see the RBA put out a press release, a written press release, very clinical. When he was arguing and talking about the economy, about the inflation pressures, about the growth momentum, he sort of articulated why, well, why they hiked in May and surprised me and a whole bunch of other people. Anyway, can't get them all right. Sorry um, about that, mate. I got I know, I know. I owe you a coffee. <laughs> but the... Um, but he was sort of saying, well, why, why we did it? And he said it was more like, not because the economy's overheating, but it's more insurance. If, they're to, if they, they want to just get that extra rate hike in there, just to sort of reinforce their, their strategy of telling the population that they're deadly serious about inflation and inflation expectations. And so when he was sort of, when, when he sort of boiled down everything that he said, He's happy that the economy is slowing down. Good news. That's what rate hikes over the last 12 months have been doing. He's encouraged by the deceleration in inflation, but we're not there yet. He's starting to get a little bit concerned about house prices rebounding. You know, we saw from the CoreLogic numbers uh, earlier this week, you know, a pretty chunky increase. Yeah, and Sydney even higher for the month-on-month figure. Uh, so, you know, we're, that fear of missing out, I'm not quite sure what the story is, but we've got house prices rebounding. He doesn't want that to happen. Well, can we just talk about that? Because, I mean, you yeah. understand this yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Does he take into account the fact that uh, right, house prices have rebounded a bit, the fact that there's nothing to buy? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's oh. half the stock oh. available for sale on any one month at the moment. And so prices must go up and you're bringing in a whole lot of people into the country. Spot on, that population growth. We saw that announced in the budget uh, on the 9th of May, so what's that, four weeks ago roughly. Um, a big increase in immigration. Now, part of that's a catch-up from COVID when no one came. We know that the labour market is short of skilled workers. So, yep, fine. I think that's an important part. And, you know, and Australia is a good immigration country. However... Be careful what you wish for, in a sense, because like good red wine, you can have too much. <laughs> um, immigration's good in moderation, but what we're seeing happening right now, and as we touched on earlier, building approvals are, are in freefall. Not many people are building a, a property right now, apartments, townhouses, even individual houses, pretty weak numbers, and population's booming. So even though interest rates have gone up, what, 375 basis points since May last year, and that dampens how much, you know, you and I can borrow and all this other part of, of um, uh, the housing affordability question. The number of people coming in when there's almost no, I won't say no supply, when supply is squeezed, it puts prices up, supply and demand. You know, think of your economics 101, everybody. You know, if, if you've got demand booming through population growth, you've got supply not responding because people aren't building many houses, what happens to prices? They go up. And that's compounded, Mark, by the fact that, again, another another good thing for the economy, foreign students are studying in Australia again, great, but they're renting apartments near where all the university campuses are. So if you're looking for a one-better or a two-better little apartment near all the campuses around the, you know, the good universities in Australia, there's nothing there. And that feeds into higher prices too. And it feeds into higher rents as well. Higher rents, correct, yes. And then the higher rents encourage investors to pay a higher price because they can afford to borrow the, the extra money. And hence we've got this little turning point higher in house prices. So, so, And those two have a fair bit of weight in terms of the basket of goods and services in terms of the inflation CPI calculation by the ABS every 
now monthly, but you know, basically quarterly as well, more importantly. Um, does the RBA look at that and say, well, we, you know, like I, I should uh, compensate for that or I don't know, whatever, take that into account and not put rates up because um, that doesn't really help anything. It doesn't yeah, affect anything. A rate hike's not going to stop foreign it students stop coming that. into Australia. And or, it doesn't yeah. stop them paying, they'll pay the rent they have to pay. Like, c- c- correct. The RBA, I think when we've had these, what do we call it, these random shocks occurring in the economy occasionally, like when we had, uh, remember Cyclone Yazi about mm-hmm. a decade ago, banana prices yep, went yep. crazy, that added like a percent to inflation rate. Now, the RBA's not going to hike interest rates because banana prices went up because there was a cyclone in Queensland that you know, wiped out all the crops up up there in the northern New South Wales. So, um, But is this one of the exceptions? So this rental thing is... <laughs> It's it, they're aware that rate hikes will not dampen demand for rents, and so while they still acknowledge the fact that there's still a pipeline of higher rents, and as you said, it's got a very high weighting in the inflation calculation, that we're going to be seeing that higher rent feed into uh, a, 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 what will be higher inflation that would otherwise be, uh, but they will take that into account, and I, and I guess that feeds into this discussion why the Reserve Bank, even though they hiked in May. Um, are a, little, are a lot more cautious than they were, say, you know, six to nine months ago when they were going 50 basis points, they are going every month, you know, that really aggressive start to the hiking cycle of, you know, six to 12 months ago. Uh, they're being a little bit more cautious now. They had one pause back in April. They went again in May. So they're now, you know, like mere mortals, you know, oh, will we really achieve much more if we continue to hike or will we run the risk of running into a hard landing or, dare I say, it, a recession? Which is what's worrying me because um, yep. I think yep. that the cohort of people who are affected by higher interest rates, those business owners, small business owners in particular and uh, mortgage borrowers and, and just borrowers generally, um, I think that another rate hike will be just will, will com- completely dampen their enthusiasm in relation to doing business um, and cost them too much money um, in relation to maintaining their current position. And I think that could lead over time because he's not going to, if he puts the rates up, he's not going to go back the next month and say, oh, I better put them down. He's going to hold them <laughs> yeah. for a while. Indeed. So yes. it's the time he holds them for. So I, I think that we could actually land, but get have a very hard landing. I, ha- I have to agree with that. The, there is, the, like like in many things in economic policy, is the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. You know, again, a year ago, the first few rate hikes, fine, no problem. You know, they were ridiculously low. So the first, oh, I don't know, 150, even 200 basis points, people didn't like it, but, you know, they managed. Then we got to 300 basis points. Oh, gee, you're hearing, you know, the, the mortgage click was an issue. Now we're getting to this point, and I think your point, we know that the household sector, consumers, you know, you and me and everybody listening here are an important part of the economy, but it's the small business sector that's really having a lot of a lot of uh, competitive pressure coming from the big retailers and the like, the big the big business sector, which is doing fine. Yeah, they're coping quite well with the, oh, the they're economy. doing records. And yes, you see the um, NAB business confidence numbers. Business confidence from the big end of town, if I can use that phrase, is is pretty good. Small businesses, they've got their yeah, you know, they've got their mortgage on their house. They've got their buddy overdraft rate. Oh, business is cooling down. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to sell X, Y, and Z, but yeah, you know, people aren't coming into my shop as much as they were. They're hunkering down, like we all are, and that's the slowing economy. And again, there comes a point where if you go one hike too late, too many in the cycle, 
you have that risk of the hard landing. And I'm old enough to remember, and with all due respect, you probably are too. Totally. In the late 80s, yep. people were screaming, the economy's weakening, the economy's weakening. And the RBA at the time said, oh, no, it's not, you know, we're going to keep hiking. We're going to keep hiking because the, some of the numbers that were coming out on inflation, on a whole bunch of data, from targeted different things, it's a different situation. But RBA ignored or downplayed the anecdotes. They kept hiking, hiking. We had that horrible recession in 91, 92, 93. That was horrible. That was a really bad one, 11% unemployment. That's what happens when you t- tighten interest rates too much too late and you ignore the warning signs that are flashing right now. So, and of course, that was a Cutie McFarlane period. Correct. Treasurer and RBA governor. And uh, McFarlane went on to say many years later, post his... Um, you know, retirement, that uh, that the only way they were ever going to control inflation at the time was put us into recession. And that, that, the recession we had to have. That's, and that was Keating, which was politically bad, but it was yeah, but it was correct. It was, true. It it was, was actually true, yeah. correct. Correct. Yeah. And uh, and you know, like you, I don't care what anyone says, but yeah. treasurers do talk to RBA governors, and they do say oh, maybe, listen, yeah. maybe the only way we can fix, fix this. And this is Chris Joy's uh, thesis. Yeah. Oh yes. Let's break it. Look, we're going to break something. We've got to, to get that inflation rate back to two to three on a sustained basis, not just for one quarter. You know, we want it there and locked in for the next five years. As happened in 96, 7, Co- 8, correct. 9, right through to 2020. We, we, we had a great 25-odd years of inflation, two to three, occasionally spiked up and down a bit, yeah. but that's when they hiked and cut, you know, fine. Yeah. I, I think Chris has actually got a very good point on that, that, you know, when inflation becomes a little bit more embedded and maybe what we've seen on those monthly numbers doesn't persist. You know, maybe we'll get a bounce back next couple of months. That's the joys of forecasting economics. If that is the case and then the RBA does hike, then, again, it'll be a different version of the recession we had to have That and, and that'll be painful for small business, painful for the household sector and the worrying thing about that, the thing that, you know, makes me a bit concerned is because it means unemployment goes up, that, you know, even with the latest uh, RBA forecast, they're forecasting unemployment at four and a half from what was the low of three and a half. That's 120,000 people who are going to lose their job on those forecasts. Now, if we get to five or five and a half percent unemployment, it's double. that's another 100, 120,000 people on top of that. But they are forecasting four and a half percent. And, uh, Correct. and the only way they're going to get four and a half percent if employers start feeling the pinch. And the only way they're going to get employers to start to feel the pinch yeah. is by putting rates up or maintaining rates at a high level. And squeezing them. And squeezing yeah. them. Yeah, squeezing the daylights out of them. Yep, correct. And so I'm not going to hire anymore. And in fact, you know, sorry, mate, you're going to have to let you go, you know, or no overtime or, you know, so the, the labour market weakens and that's what the RBA again the governor earlier this week when he was in, appearing before the senate uh in parliament was saying you know words to that effect I, we, I don't want to say he said those words but paraphrasing him we need the labor market to weaken in other words he, he, he's saying we need unemployment to kick up yep let's look at the board oh yes gee there's been a few changes since last month this, this has been good fun okay Kui, take us through it tightening neutral easing where are the right. biases on our monetary policy checklist with all of the issues that filter into the rba's deliberation and remembering the higher up the board the more important they are in the rba's thinking so gdp the rate of economic growth um it's starting to slow down from a very high peak Put, putting that in neutral. They don't need to hike because of strong GDP. They don't need to ease because of weak GDP. So, so GDPs, they like to fine. see around about three plus. Give or take, yeah. Well, where where, where are we sitting? We're currently sitting at 2.7. And after we were strong, a little period of below three is not bad. So at the moment, they're sort of saying, yep, they were playing a bit of catch up. That's fine. 
So I put that one in the neutral category. But, but just just to put in context, but if it was below zero, in other words, oh. minus oh, two, yeah. two quarters, that'll be that is a session and say, yeah, come on, guys, you've got to cut rates. Straight it easy. Correct. If right. we even get one quarter, that's zero, and then the indicators for the next quarter, you know, the retail sales and bits and bobs that go into GDP, if they're weak, then the odds of I'd be sliding that across pretty Too easy, right? Yeah. Inflation. Inflation. Bloody high. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if inflation was your only indicator, you'd, be, you'd keep hiking. Yep. Well, that, and, that, and that, but, that, but that's without taking. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Into account the, the, the thesis that you put up that Alan Cole also agrees with, yep. that our run rate, if we go, if we were to go forward as opposed to going backwards, yes. if we go forward based on the number for April, we would not, you, you would have inflation on it, you would have it somewhere else. I'd have it moving towards neutral, yeah. but I want to see, I'll, I'll only move that to neutral when I get two or three months in a row that it's confirmed. Right. We've had one or two. I need two, one or two more to say, okay, we've broken the back of inflation. We're, it's twisted, it's bent, but I don't know if we've broken the back of it yet. And, right um, and inflation's a bit sticky. I don't like the word, but it's a good description of inflation around the world. You know, the US, yep. a little bit higher than they'd like to see too. So on the labour market, well, we've had a we've had a drop in employment in the month of April. The unemployment rate went from 35 to 3.7%. I'm going to put that in between neutral and tightening because the labour market's pretty strong. And linked to that is wages. Again, just... As we were walking to the room, we saw the Fair Work Commission wage increase. They announced a 5.75% uh, increase oh, in the minimum wage. So of the workforce, how much many people does that cover? It covers about 20% and through the various awards that are linked to the minimum yep. wage. So you might be a little bit above, but, of course, if you're you know, one pay bracket above the minimum wage, you get a pretty chunky pay rise too. 5.75 is pretty high. And you've got to remember too, there's an extra half a percent from the increase in the superannuation charge. One July. From 1 July, it goes from 105 to 11%. I like superannuation as a policy. I think it's a good economic policy. But if you're a, uh, an employer, you've got to pay an extra half a percent. Mm. So on wages, I'd actually put that in neutral to tightening. And indeed, the, the uh, wage price index number, which came out a couple of weeks ago, confirmed annual increase at 3.7. So that's a bit up. Not. Bad, but going up. Yeah. Correct. So I'd put that that dynamic there. Now the international. So, economy, just on that. Oh, sorry, so Mark, yeah. as, as it, what's interesting about that though? That's only a problem if employers or the the manufacturer or the owner of the business, the proprietor, can actually reflect those increase in unit costs. 
in their price, new price. So it, yeah. that's only that's the most interesting thing. So the question on the other side of that is: Are consumers of the product that the employer is paying the extra wages for? Is that consumer prepared or able to pay more money for that product? That's the critical element. And at the moment, we've got the consumer starting to hunker down. I'll touch on that in a minute too. And I might just also add to that. Yes, wages are only a problem if I can pass them on in my selling prices to recoup those high wages. If if I put my selling price up and no one comes through my door, well... Well, you'll be putting your prices down. I'll I'll be putting my prices down to try to keep my market share. And or the employees who are getting the extra money can now produce more widgets. So productivity Correct. is a big issue, which, Pro- by yes. the way, productivity is yes. down in this country. We are at the all-time low of productivity. We are bad at it. I, I, I can't work it out um, because, you know, with, with technology, computers and machinery and things, our productivity should be booming. But I think it's because we've, we've – That is we've, productivity. Just make that clear. But there's oh, the amount of output per, per person. Per, per person per hour worked. Yeah. So, you know, in the old days, using it, uh, one example I love to use, using a pick and shovel to dig the tunnel under the Sydney Harbour or using a machine. How many person hours, man hours, would it take to dig the tunnel with a pick and shovel and a wheelbarrow? Goodness knows how many. you got this machine. You only employed probably 20 people and it digs the sort of tunnel. So your productivity is enhanced by technology, machinery, equipment. And, you know, we need to have a big ramp up in CapEx, in capital expenditure to get our – and infrastructure spending from the government sector, state and federal, uh, to get our productivity back up. But it's pretty pretty poor at the minute. So so we just want everyone to understand that whenever we talk about wages and the impact of wages on inflation, um, we there are two factors. Um, if wages are going up but uh, the business is producing twice as much but wages only go up by 10%, then – that's pretty good. The the employee does yeah. not need to put their price up. Correct. Because they get fact, the same price for but with a bigger margin. And in fact, if I could say it this way, if we had productivity growth of, say, 3% as opposed to next to nothing, wages could probably grow up at 5, 5.5% or 6%. That wouldn't be inflationary because I'm producing more output for my labour. Yeah. I'm getting paid for that. I'm happy as a worker getting that pay rise. You're happy as a, an employer paying that because you're getting more output and you're making good money. We might need to put another category or subcategory we, in there, yeah. like um, um, like we, um, it could be uh, productivity, but we'll, we'll move on. But, we, uh, but we, uh, they just need to understand that. Indeed. So, so wage increases are not bad in themselves. It's how they how they come about and what the implication is for inflation from each business owner. Yeah. In other words, can I get more money? I'm can, paying can, more. Can I get more? Can I cover it and keep my doors open and people come in? Fine. But if, if it leads to... Uh, people staying away because, oh, the price of that's gone up. I'm not going to come in and buy that anymore. Then the economy, that's where high wages, high inflation feeds into an economic hard landing. Yep. Okay, international economy. I reckon it's crook. As I said, Germany's already in a recession. The US is slowing down. China, they've had their, what they call these purchasing managers indexes, which I won't get into, but they're sort of like a business survey, manufacturing, services-based, really weak. Well, they had their opening post-COVID. They had jumped up. They're jumping back down. A lot of talk about they have to ease policy in China, which is important to Australia, and that's sort of feeding into a whole lot of issues that are causing an assessment of the global economy, hard landing, recession, dare I say. House prices, well, I'm going to put that into the neutral category, but as we didn't really spend a lot of time talking about the fact that house prices are now going up. Yeah, for the month of but, April, I think it was 1.5%. Yes, yeah. Which is for the capital worse than Sydney and Melbourne. Correct. And so after that, 
almost a year where prices, I think, nationwide fell about 9-odd percent. We've now had three months in a row where they've gone up. And for the last three months, it's now close to 3%. So the RBA doesn't target house prices. They target inflation. They shouldn't. And they shouldn't either. But they have However, raised it. However, they keep an eagle eye on it. Yeah. And when they're going down a bit, they don't care too much. When they're going up a little bit, they don't care too much. But if they start going up and up and up, they'll say, oh, gee, you know, we've got the risk of a, oh, I don't know, a, a wealth effect coming through because all of a sudden housing's too strong. And that feeds into inflation too. So, But I'll put that in neutral. I'm, uh, it's, you wouldn't cut because of housing. You wouldn't hike. Retail sales, oh, that's in the easing category. Zero growth in April. We've had two consecutive quarter where retail sale volumes have gone backwards. We consumers aren't silly. We're responding to cost of living. We're responding to rate hikes and our extra um, monthly repayments. We're spending less in the retail sector. Consumer sentiment, similar. So they'd probably capture those in the same sort of issue. Building approvals, we mentioned them. They're wow. at a decade low. We're not building enough houses. And one of the thresholds for a lot of property developers is the cost of building versus what I can sell it for. Yeah, it's pretty simple maths. You don't yep. have to be Einstein to work that one out. And if the cost of your materials, you know, your timber, your steel beams, your floorboards, plus your wages, the tradie, the carpenter, the plumber, the electrician, and your interest costs are going up because you inevitably have to have an overdraft or borrow some money, you're not going to build it unless you can get it for a decent price. And with housing, you know, still sort of a bit soggy, um, Building approvals are in the And I think also I remember doing this. I remember once you invited me to, to make a presentation to the Australian Economic Forum, I think it was called I that. I remember that very well, years yes, ago. And, yes. um, and one of the things I did uh, put on, uh, talk about on that day was in particular was um, one of the issues around building approvals is lenders' propensity to want to lend to builders. Oh, um, and uh, right now the general model that a builder works on is a 30% return. Um, sure. And so if they can't show a 30% return, then the lenders don't want to give them the money or more importantly, the lenders give them less money. But that means the uh, developer builder has to put in more money, has to put in more equity. And uh, they don't have more equity at the moment because they've all been busted over time with these increased costs. So therefore builders yeah. aren't going to they, – they run models and they're not going to go do a development unless there's a return in it for them. Oh, indeed, yeah. Which means, no, yeah. which means no, no new housing. And so if you look at the number of building approvals, it's Down. it's lower than it was in 2012 when the Australian economy was, you know, 20% smaller and the population was, you know, 15% smaller. And, and I understand We're not building we've now any. got one, nearly 1. 1.2 million houses underdone. Dwellings yeah, underdone. One point two million. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it's like extraordinary. This, and that this is a government solution, by the way, because it's yep, it's quite yep. complex. It's not just yep. whether they can borrow money. It's not just the cost of building. It's not just the interest rate, but it's also councils' uh, willingness oh. to approve uh, developments and councils' willingness to approve developments is based on the voting population. The voting population doesn't want something built next door. It's so complicated. And uh, dear to my heart, that co- that council approval. Not in my backyard. Is it? No, 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 I don't want that. That is a problem. You know, and it's all real to build properties you know, out in the fringes of the big cities, but not many people want to live there. Even though the housing could be affordable, the schools are bad for your kids. The public transport's probably pretty ordinary. There's no shops nearby. You know, people want to live nearby, and I, I think that means we've got to build up, not out, in yeah. terms of satisfying demand where people want to live and getting council approval to put up a five, ten-story uh, apartment block. Is not always easy, and it's, but that, and that's not because of anything other than who votes for them. Oh, hell, it's about yes, playing yes, yes. into the to the system. Yep, 
Okay, we've got a few more things. So business investments, pretty good. We had the CapEx numbers, so that's neutral. You don't hike because business is doing well. Same with business confidence. We touched on that. Commodity prices, they've come off the boil with the weaker world economy, the weaker Chinese economy, iron ores down to $100 a tonne. So it's still okay level, but it's down from 140 bucks a few months ago. I'll put that in neutral. You wouldn't cut or hike because commodity prices. Stock markets, choppy. Everyone's sort of watching the US inflation rate, the Federal Reserve. So I'll put that in uh, neutral. And on current rates, as and even as the RBA governor said, they are restrictive. I'm erring that towards, maybe not easy. I'll put that in neutral. <laughs> as you said, the RBA, even if they don't hike again, we're not, we're not talking rate cuts. N- no way, not yet. I know a few people, our friends at Westpac, you know, good old Bill Evans is talking about them in 2024, 25. Seven. Yep. Seven rate cuts. We'll talk about that in a couple of months, I reckon. But for the here and now, the chance of rate cut between here and, you know, September is zero. They're not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'll put that one in neutral. So overall, you can sort of see the pattern here. So what do you reckon? I th- it's on hold. The things that are most important are the ones that have got the greatest tightening bias, things that are somewhat important or on the easing side, things that are just sort of middle or in, you know, that neutral zone. So given the risk assessment from the RBA, it's on hold. But if if the RBA governor and the board, who also vote on whether we should hike, cut or keep them steady, if they put a big emphasis on the wages side, on the inflation rate, I wouldn't fall off my chair if there's a rate hike. I don't think they need to. I think the May rate hike was the surprise, and if you look at consumer sentiment, it got smashed on the back of that rate hike. You look at the retail sales, smashed on the back of earlier rate hikes. They don't need to, but it doesn't mean they won't. I wouldn't do it, but um, I'm not on the RBA board. I reckon he's going to wait for it to play out, and I don't think he'll do it. I think you'll. I think I agree yep. with you. I think he's, the May hike was the the surprise rate rate hike, yep. and uh, probably, you know, that was the one that. Um, just gave us all a backhand uh, to remind us who's in charge, and uh, and that he's prepared. They're prepared to do more if they have to. That was probably. I reckon that was strong enough. My gut feel, irrespective of the six point eight uh, inflation yep. number, yep. I I think there's too many of your red dots to the right of the um, tightening column, and they're moving in that direction yeah. too. That's the other thing. It's not just where they are now. That's important. But where were they say six months ago? You would have had GDP here. You would have had labour market definitely here. You would have had house prices definitely here. So there's been a drift to from the tightening to neutral towards neutral to maybe easing. So I think that trend continues. And when we get the next well, – Seth, or as an economist, I always want more data. But if we get that next inflation number, and it does decelerate further, if we use Alan Cole as month-on-month sort of run rate rather than the annual figure, we're probably going to be getting that annualised figure in the threes, three point something, and all of a sudden that'll start moving towards neutral, or particularly if the, if the unemployment rate ticks up to when we get the next uh, monthly numbers. Or even if you use the RBA's methodology, which is like a VWAP, um, um, you know, a, a, a weighted average, you know, price, weighted average uh, uh, inflation number over a period of, say, three months as opposed to quarterly, but three months, yep. you still have a bias towards neutral. Uh, I think so. Yes, yeah, there's yeah. enough there. And... And the, the other thing that if we look at, and the government didn't talk about this a whole lot earlier this week, but the global economy really does matter to Australia. You know, we've not been the lone ranger in that inflation pickup. And if you look at this lovely chart on um, 
on the ABS website, there's an international comparison of inflation rates. It's got all the countries that, you know, are sort of similar to us, Canada, the US, UK, New Zealand. Uh, the inflation rate went up in every country and it's coming down in every country. So if that's occurring and we've got the risk of a hard landing in the world economy, we're going to be caught up in that. You know, we're not going to be able to insulate ourselves, particularly if we're still hiking. And other countries are contemplating, they haven't yet delivered, but contemplating that have we done enough in rates in the US, in the UK, in Canada, in New Zealand as well. Well, I uh, we will find out tomorrow. Um, I think that uh, I reckon what you should do, Cookie, is you send him a photo of this. Yep. The, uh, uh, Philip Lowe, a <laughs> yes. photo of this and just say, well, look, Mark and I were talking about it. Yep. Um, we've been pretty on, on the money to date. Um, we reckon you should have a, a, a sit back and have a, you know, with the rest of your colleagues on the board and your senior economists in the RBA, have a cup of tea and some lamingtons and uh, just chill. Just chill for this month. And the thing about well, one month pause, and this is the other thing to remember, and Again, what we, that rate hiking cycle that we've seen in this last 13, 14 months has been unusual because they went virtually every month. History shows that they often hike, then they'll pause for three months. Oh, the economy is stronger than we thought, so we'll go again. Just because they pause for one or two months doesn't mean that the rate hiking cycle's definitely Correct. over because if we do get to, let's just say, September and they've paused between now and then, the unemployment rate comes back down, wages are very high, uh, and the inflation rate doesn't drop Fine, hike again, but let's wait and see. You don't want to hike and cause recession. I know. I'll, I'll just finish off one thing, uh, Cookie or uh, Steve. Like, uh, yep. I think the discussion with you and I from Tuesday on every month will not be about whether there's going to be a rate hike or a rate reduction, but it's going to be for how long for. How long that that yep. is the yep. issue. The bottom line is yep. stop talking about with not us, but you know, <laughs> stop thinking it's going to be a rate hike. Yep. Think about how long it's going to last because how long it lasts is the thing that's going to determine whether or not we have a recession. If they get Correct. that part wrong, yes, uh, it's not just should I put the rates up one more time, but if I get that part wrong, I hold these rates for too long. Because rates are hurting uh, a large number of people. They have any effect they're designed to have. And that's what they're – correct. They're meant to hurt and they are. Yeah, and so that, that will become the issue for me. Yeah. How long will this, these guys hold the rate at where it currently is or if they do one more, how long are they going to hold it? Because one thing is for sure, they're not going to turn around overnight. Oh, no, 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 they're not going to cut rate. Yeah, so rate cut talk is way premature. Look, it may happen. It's worth – it's fun to talk about for 2024, but, hey, we're only halfway through 23. Let's just get this next few months right. Gooey, good to see you, mate. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a Mentored Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.